and welcome back. Today is Sunday, March 7th, 2021, and the topic of this episode, episode 44, is what does weight have to do with it? I started my health and wellness coaching with one major goal in mind, getting people healthy for life, not short term. Being a cancer researcher and having lost many loved ones to cancer, the second major thing on my mind was cancer prevention, chemo prevention, and chemo reduction. At the time, about 10 years ago, fresh out of the lab research, genes and family history, predispositions, and obvious carcinogens were my biggest worries. Things like smoking, environmental toxins, and things like that. Soon after I left the lab research, I began to look more at the bigger picture and look at the data from years ago until present. I realized that there was one major flaw in most scientists' training. We are taught to narrow our focus in research because, as I was told once by my PhD advisor, you cannot study everything. You have to pick one gene, one pathway, one question, and try to answer that. While that may have been a very good advice to help PhD students finish a dissertation and get out of school and lab and on with their lives in a timely fashion, I realized that it was not or does not apply to life when you get out into the real world. So naturally, many of us are trained to have a narrow view of things. Take cancer. Many believe that it is strictly genetic. Many very brilliant researchers study the pathway to a certain cancer and they often find answers, clues, and many times a potential treatment using that particular pathway. We have come a long way in research in general, but the majority of this amazing work on cancer has been studying the cancer, the mechanism of it, the behavior of the cancer cell, how they grow, and etc. But what we have not really paid much attention to is long before cancer cells take over. What are the factors beyond genetics and predispositions? In other words, we need to take a few steps back before cancer itself and figure out how one very particular cancer cell with the same mutations got out of control in one scenario and not in another. It is like watching a video of someone going down the stairs and fall. You will fall, catch the fall immediately, but if you rewind that tape and play it in slow motion, you may see exactly what caused that fall. In my own work, in and out of the lab and clinical research, I was trying to do just that, watch that video over and over in slow motion. With respect to cancer, I started seeing things that may have seemed irrelevant at the time, but when you looked more carefully, you could see how they could have contributed to, quote, that fall. I started seeing common obstacles on that stairway to cancer. Some were more obvious, like smoking, drinking alcohol, past exposure to radiation, and things like that. These were the common checklist of things we checked off. 
But once those were checked off, things started bothering me more. There were other things we overlooked. Overlooked? Maybe, but the deeper I started to dig, the more puzzled and frustrated I got. In the medical and research world, the idea of talking about food, healthy behavior, and cancer was almost forbidden. The general approach had been, here's a disease and here's a drug. It is as simple as that. I really tried to open the door to the idea of lifestyle and health risk when I worked as the Director of health, Community Health Education Promotion and Cancer Prevention. But every door I opened got shut in my face. Prevention meant telling people to get screened for breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, and some others. How do you screen for throat cancer long before it is a cancer? How about stomach cancer? Do we really want to put people through endoscopy every few years? What if we missed it just at the right time? How about the cost? Isn't it more costly to have people screen periodically for some cancers than actually try to prevent cancer before it is even detectable in the screening process? Why wait until it's too late? I have to admit I was not popular at the time with these crazy ideas and questions. A few meetings were set up to quote guide me in the right direction so that I am aligned with the mission of the organization. I was an outlaw and I may still be an outlaw but I decided to leave that environment as it was getting exceedingly toxic to me not to mention to the population at large. I was not able to be honest with the population I was supposed to educate. So when I began my own independent journey, I felt so free to explore. The more I explored, the more disturbing our healthcare system became. I was a cancer nutrition coach to start, but I started seeing all the links and when I started connecting the dots, I began to see even a bigger problem. I expanded my horizon in a, a bit within a few months. I was bombarded with referrals to look at different health issues, but the most common request, you guessed it, weight loss. Over 75% of my work began to be on weight loss. I knew that overweight and obesity was a major public health issue, but I honestly did not look so carefully at how much until I realized there is a bigger need for this than cancer. No, I was wrong. This was one of the issues before cancer. Now I could see one thing happening on that stairway to cancer. Other health issues seemingly unrelated to cancer. This brings me to the topic of this episode. What does weight have to do with it? with health, that is. I get this question a lot. Can I be overweight and healthy? Okay, let me be the outlaw here again. The answer is a very strong no. You may seem healthy on the surface, but you are not healthy even if you are carrying five extra pounds of weight on your frame. Yes, I said it, even five extra pounds. 
I will not get sucked into the culture that, for the sake of political correctness, tells people it is okay to be overweight. I find it criminal that some health magazines put pictures of overweight women on the cover to post a topic that will make the magazine millions of dollars of money by making a health issue a fashion issue. They say you can be attractive and fat. It is not about attraction and looks. Looks are superficial. It is about health. It is not okay to tell someone you are beautiful, so don't worry about your weight. I am not arguing beauty. I am arguing health. I am not in the business of making people more beautiful than they are. I am concerned about their health more than anything else. Let me list only some of the things that are wrong with this picture. What are some of the consequences of unnatural extra weight? People who are overweight have increased risk of many conditions. This is from CBC. All causes of death and mortality, high blood pressure or hypertension, high cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, which is the bad one, and low good cholesterol or HDL, high levels of triglycerides, type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, stroke, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis or a breakdown of cartilage and bone within the joint, sleep apnea and breathing problems, many types of cancer, low quality of life, mental illness such as clinical depression, anxiety and other mental disorders, body pain and difficulty with physical conditioning. Do I need to go on? Because it does not stop here if I continue the list. So, can you be overweight and healthy? No, no, and no. As long as I'm alive, I will say the same thing. I will not sugarcoat this. You can be attractive, beautiful inside and out, but you are not healthy until you shed every ounce of that extra weight off your body and frame. Do not fall into that trap of, oh, I am active, I exercise, I eat well. Mm -hmm. Yes, you may exercise, but the stress on your body is far more than if you were not carrying all that weight while doing it. I like to think of exercising while carrying extra weight as driving a nice, beautiful sports car while hauling a U-Haul trailer behind you all the time. How long before that sports car is going to have problems, you think? The heavier the trailer, the faster the issues. You may haul a small trailer behind your sports car, but that only means that it may take longer for your car to say enough already. Now let me paint another picture of weight for you. If you are thin, skinny, or just not overweight, does that give you a free pass? Are you automatically healthy? Can you be underweight, thin, and not be healthy? Yes. I want to stress this. There are many people seemingly at a healthy weight or even thin, but they too can be seriously unhealthy. I have personally seen numerous clients and other people who are at a healthy weight, but that also has led them to believe that they can eat whatever they want because they can afford it. Afford it? 
What exactly does that mean? Afford it financially? Afford it how? The common thought is: if you are not fat or you are skinny, you can afford to eat or drink anything you want. Is that true? Absolutely not. So, since I got on the case of promoters of overweight, let me be fair and address the opposite side. Promoting unreal, unusual, and unrealistic thin bodies is also a crime. When you look at a supermodel, a skinny supermodel, and you learn about their lifestyle and habits, most of the time they are not really healthy. Anything but. I'm not sugarcoating this one either. Many thin people may also be naturally and genetically that way, but it does not mean eating an ice cream is perfectly acceptable because they are thin and they can afford it, whatever that means. I heard a very disturbing thing about a youth camp recently. There are many overweight kids at many camps these days. No surprise there. But there are also some kids that are at an unhealthy weight. So instead of trying to make the kids' menus and foods all healthy, so all kids are eating well, they provide all options, healthy and not healthy. So how do they address the kids who should not be eating four slices of pizza in one sitting? Well, they have counselors to sit down with them and say, maybe you should have two slices of pizza and some veggies today. This may look like a nice strategy, but I ask you to put yourself in that kid's shoes. He or she watches skinny kids eat whatever or however many slices of pizza they want, and they may not even have to eat veggies. What gives? Is that not abuse? So what are essentially we're essentially saying that um, okay you're punished if you're not thin, but more importantly the thin kids are punished more. How? Because before long, either they are also overweight, or they will have health issues because of eating junk. Uh, so called they can afford it. So is it okay for skinny kids or adults to eat junk? I think you know my answer. I sound frustrated today because I am. I am tired of the culture of sick care. I am tired of being dishonest with people to be politically correct. I am tired of hearing excuses for not taking care of health because it is this culture that puts that in our head. So you slipped a little. It's okay. I have known many clients whose families, friends, and even therapists tell them this. So if you want a cookie, have a cookie. It won't kill you. My reaction: It won't kill you today. No, it is not okay. What you do to your body today has everything to do with the rest of your days on this planet, and you can never ever get back today. So why waste it? Why not start today? Why not start now? Whatever excuse you are going to make today to justify the harm you are causing your health today, ditch it, toss it, get rid of it today. Are there cookies in the house? Throw them in the trash and never ever let them in the house again. 
Are they for your kids? Are you seriously out of your mind? Do you want to kill your kids slowly? Because if you're buying cookies for your kids, you might as well add some cigarettes to that while you're at it. Yes, I am saying this out loud. Sugar is as bad as smoking. It is just accepted well. And you are, are you ready for this? It is promoted by a government agency that refuses to admit they were wrong and they are still wrong. This is not just about sugar, but all other junk and garbage that are dominating our food system. The breakfast cereal. So the next time you are thinking about putting any junk food in your mouth, ask yourself, whatever your reason is to do that, would you light a cigarette instead? If you said yes, we have a bigger problem. I'm being even more harsh today than usual, but I am because I care. It is uh, my true tough love, if you will. No, I will not sugarcoat it, no pun intended. I am really frustrated because our culture of sick care enables unhealthy behavior at a very high cost to all of us. I am frustrated because even at this day and age, there are comfort cards at our cancer centers with toxic carcinogenic foods called, quote, comfort food to comfort our cancer patients undergoing treatment at the hospital. It is as if they are trying to keep them coming back to stay in the business of sick care. Call me the outlaw, if you will. I am the outlaw when it comes to health. And I am happy to be the voice that haunts you when you have the urge to cause harm to your health. Call me the food police. Call me whatever you want. But I'm not going to lie to you to make you feel better today. But I will, however, do whatever I can to help you really feel better for life. I am always thankful for the people who provide me with inspiration for my podcasts. Today, the inspiration was fueled by a lot of frustration. But I'm grateful for this frustration. It helps me hit the nail on the head. But don't hesitate to ask me controversial questions ever. You may stir something up that no one is willing to touch. But I might just do that. So reach out if I can help answer a burning question, even a controversial one. I am up for the challenge, and I certainly need inspiration all the time, frustrated or not. Thank you for listening today and every week. And thanks to those who provided me with the inspiration for this episode. No, I am not frustrated with you. I am frustrated at our system. So contact me. Email is the best way. Contact at drlolly.com or see my Facebook page at Dr. Lolly PhD. Until then, to your health and happiness.